In the future there will be episode 36. This is a special episode. It's our on-the-road episode, I guess you could say. We stopped down to the Armory Friday night. Uh, our good friend Chris Shaw was there doing a stand-up act, killing it that night, too. If, uh, if you weren't there, you really missed out. He stopped into town. He's promoting his uh, new album, Two Birds, One Stone. You can find that on iTunes and Amazon. And you can also hear his comedy on Sirius Channel 98, The Foxhole. Check that out. Check him out on Facebook. He is at the Real Chris Shaw, and of course Twitter at the Real Chris Shaw, K R I S S H A W. And here he is, the Real Chris Shaw. All right, and we're back. All right. Episode thirty-six, I think. Thirty-six, right? Thirty-six. You guys have been working. Oh man, nonstop. Live from the uh, Janesville Armory, and the Janesville it's Armory starting to fill up. Oh yeah, it's yeah getting we, here. we now have eight people. <laughs> <laughs> that counts us, <laughs> including you guys. All right, I'm yeah. excited. Um, Not he, too bad. Here with us today is our good friend and comedian Chris Shaw. What's going on, Open Mic Podcast? What's up, man? Nothing, man. This is uh, the podcast I've ever gotten the most hits off of since I've been doing podcasts. Oh really? Yeah, thanks to you guys, probably. Oh yeah, you oh, hear that, comedians? It's good to be here in the summertime. Yeah, I think last time we talked it was February-ish around then. It was cold though. It was uh, it was snow, and we uh, we didn't have a snowball fight, but we could have br- uh, pretty darn well should have. Yeah. Now, you've been pretty busy since we talked to you last. I was looking at your Facebook. You've been Portland, San Antonio. You've been to Vegas, Connecticut, Little Rock. You're all over the place, but. I did notice that, I don't know if you did a comedy show with him or not, but uh, a big celebrity. Oh, I know what you're talking I'm about. Concerned. I know where this is going. Uh, Screech from Saved by the Bell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, are you serious? Yeah. yeah. How did oh, that go? Uh, actually, it was pretty good. I produced, I used to produce a show down in uh, the Evansville, Indiana area. Uh, actually, it was Henderson, Kentucky. And we had him in there one time. And uh, right before that, a couple months before, we had um, J.J. Jimmy Walker. He's on my list. Okay. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was an awesome time. We actually hung out. Until about two or three in the morning, yeah. And then I had to say, "Hey, I gotta go," because I had to actually uh, I had to go work in Toledo that the rest of the weekend. So I had to. It was a seven-hour drive from the tip of Indiana, so I had to make my way eventually. 
And uh, yeah, it was he was actually a pretty nice guy. And I, I guess he's from Wisconsin. I think Milwaukee area. Milwaukee, Milwaukee area. yeah. He was he was a lot nicer than I expected him to be. And the fact that he wanted to hang out after show and just talk shop, it was just it was awesome. So yeah, I got him to retweet me once. Really? Yeah, we were having a contest to see who could get famous people to retweet him. And I got him to retweet me, but he's not verified, so I didn't get any points for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he had, has a, had that little blue check. Is that what it is yeah. to verify? Yeah, weird thing uh, about Screech. I remember he did a thing online where he was, like, trying to get people to help him save his house or something like that. Oh, really? And you could, like, he had, like, a website set up, and then you could, like, donate and buy a square of this, this like, house kind of thing oh, online. Uh, and then that was to help him pay, like, his mortgage or something, well, some taxes. Maybe I time. should do that then. Maybe I should do that for my child support. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you do that, a Kickstarter for child support. Oh, yeah. If you guys want to see this comedy continue. Chris's kids. So. Chris's kids. <laughs> Literally. No, and then, like, uh, it was funny about that, too. I have all kinds of street stories, but he, um, when I was training to be a pro wrestler, mm-hmm. He, there was talk of him trying to get into wrestling, and he almost trained at our camp. Oh yeah, in uh, in Illinois, in uh, Cary, Illinois. Really? And uh, yeah, and then something about uh, his manager made him bow out because he thought he was gonna get hurt or something. But that, then I think he showed up on some Hulk Hogan wrestling thing after that. Like yeah, because it was. Bridges, yeah, maybe because it was. Uh, oh yeah. Other money involved now. When yeah. I when I booked uh, Screech for that show, I was also offered Todd Bridges. Really? Okay. And I was like. Willis wrestles. <laughs> what you talking about, man? I didn't know that. It's like, is he funny? He's like, I'm not gonna say he's funny, but he brings out a big crowd. But I just, I'm just a fan of just seeing him in person, anyway. You know, what I mean, I'm a big fan of the show. So, I mean, I, I think that's with any uh, situation where people uh, come out to see JJ or, or Screech because uh, they want to get up and close and personal. That's the last bit of reality they have from back in the day because those shows aren't out anymore. Yeah, no shows are coming out like that. Well, people you'd watch growing up every day. Right. You, know? and you watch them a lot. I mean, oh, for sure. I almost feel like they're part of your family. It is not quite, but I mean, you know. I remember watching Saved by the Bell every day, two episodes after school. You know, Two episodes? Oh, yeah. That's a little extreme. Well, you know, you get addicted to something, you only want more. But well, You literally watched Screech's voice change over the years. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did, and, uh, and um, I had the, uh, I, I was watching Saved by the Bell, like, uh, I think it was Tuesday, and I had. <laughs> <laughs> no, I only watched when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> this is random. We talking old Saved by the Bell or talking new clothes? The, the old one. Okay. Uh, I was watching my son, and um, I was just flipping through the channels. And then all of a sudden, it popped up on TV. And I said, let me go ahead and watch it. And then, uh, you know, it did the back-to-back episodes, and yeah. I, had, I hadn't seen it in forever. So I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is kind of crazy. Like, he dressed pretty weird. Yeah, he did. I got a picture here somewhere, but... Yeah, he was he was real cool, man. Uh, they had some car troubles coming down from I think they left out of uh, Milwaukee, and their gas was leaking. Oh. The car they were in, oh. uh, comedian I think maybe been through here, Randy and Carlo. He's this opener, so um, he's out of Duluth, Minnesota area. Sounds like an opener. He's he, he's very <laughs> he's very he's very funny. Now, did your uh, did your son like it? Saved by the Bell? Uh, my son's only two and a half, so, oh, okay. so he, he, didn't, he didn't give a damn. Because my daughter, who's five, loves Full House. Oh, sure. That's yeah, like everybody the, loves Full House. That's like the best show in the world to her. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, they give her options of all the cartoons and everything, and then Full, full House. And she's like, no, oh, Full House, Full House. Maybe she's just talking about what she would call if she was playing cards. Yeah, she was kind of a gambler. So is Kenny Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like we've been talking about Kenny Rogers a lot lately. We have been talking about Kenny Rogers a lot. Now, how about Jimmy J.J. Walker? Was, was he pretty cool? 
Uh, I heard he gets mad if people say dynamite to him. Well, yeah, and he wasn't as cool. It was. I expected neither one of them to actually be as cool. Yeah. Uh, Screech, that was a big surprise. He was uh, Jimmy. He was not really cool. Uh, I brought my mom with me, and she was like, "So where are you from?" He was like, "I'm from all over." I was like, "Hey, man, it's like my mom here. You got to give a, a direct answer, idiot." <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't He's, be a don't be a jerk because she was a fan too. The picture you have with him, he looks pretty tired. Uh, yeah, that's just, oh, and he wasn't, I don't know if he's pretty tired, it was just, he's just, he's old. Yeah. And he's he's actually a, now I respect him on a whole other level than I did before because he's a road dog, which means he gets in the car and travels. He doesn't always have to fly. He'll get in the car more than any celebrity present day that I know of, and he'll actually get around. And you don't normally see a lot of old timers do that. Well, if there's if there's celebrities, they won't. But he did. How old he is. Uh, he's in his 60s, mid-late 60s. Maybe 67 or something. He's, I, I'd, like, I'd go see him if he came around here. Uh, you know, it's worth seeing. Yeah. It's worth seeing. I mean, he draws a crowd in, so that's foremost. That's that's the reason we booked him, because we knew we would draw a crowd, and we were trying to promote like our regular comedy, weekly comedy shows. So we needed to get a couple staple names that we knew that people would be like, oh, I got to see that guy. Like, next up was Michael Winslow. Uh, but oh, they, sure, sure. Um, and these these guys all give phenomenal shows. And they're all managed by the same person. Oh, okay. So, like, when one person can't do it, then another person shows up. I've heard Screech draw is pretty good. I know somebody went to go, well, tried to go see him up uh, up in Madison on State Street. Oh, okay. And they got there, and the tickets were sold out. They couldn't even get in. But he actually, I'm not gonna lie, he actually was a better performance to me than Jimmy Walker was. Really? To me. What's this thing about soup? <clears throat> I don't know. Did you catch that in his act at all? No, I wasn't even... I was taking pictures. Oh, okay. Uh, Somebody would write... They write stuff about soup to him all the time on Twitter. But. Making sure I was keeping the crowd calm down, because I was, I was actually hosting the show, too. Like, any celebrity show that we had, oh, we would, cool. I would always just go down there and host and make sure that everything was taken care of and, and that the people listened, because we're, we're talking about in Kentucky here, so, you know, yeah. people have a tendency of getting all excited and riled up and talk out <laughs> loud to you. <laughs> and so I want to make sure they know, like, hey, this... We got to make sure that everything is cool, and you, everybody around you wants to hear the show and enjoy themselves. Yeah. I got an opportunity to work with, uh, not work with, but uh, hang out with Gallagher when I was uh, in Vegas oh, wow. uh, okay. a few weeks ago. Now, what'd you think of him? Um, I didn't at first. <laughs> I didn't at first. He was sitting like uh, like beside me. It was him and his son. Okay. And I guess like every. Uh, once a month out in Vegas, they do this Friars Club thing where all the comedians from every venue in town, it's an open invitation, and they all get invited to a specific location. Yeah. So I've met, went to two of them the last couple months. Just I just randomly happened to be there. Cool. And so uh, when I get there, you know, him and his son are there. Uh, uh, Shamitaj, the opener for Caratop, she was there. Uh, John Caponera, a lot of comics were there, and like... Everybody start popping up, and I start freaking out. Like, I can't believe I'm sitting in the middle of this comedy gumbo. <laughs> and I was, I was actually really sick that day because I hadn't, I hadn't eaten. I was uh, in 24 hours. I was out uh, to a ribbon cutting ceremony uh, in 117 degrees, and I drank a big tall glass of vodka and lemonade, which was a, was a big mistake. I thought it was Vegas, so I was, you know, I was trying to cool down, but big mistake. <laughs> it had lemonade in it, you'd think. Yeah, that's that's, that's the part that you know I, I thought would tame it. Eliminated. Um, I've heard Gallagher's kind of, kind of kooky. 
when we first got to the place uh, inside the, uh, we were at the, uh, I think it was at the Tropicana. It was a Laugh Factory. That's where it was held at that time. So we get inside, we go up to the comedy club. The show's almost over with, and then everybody starts coming to the green room. Now, this room is laced with red vines, pretzels, cookies, candies, four giant, mega giant pizzas, uh, a bar fully stocked, um, Snickers, you, you name it. It was diabetic heaven. Yeah. Any and everything in there that, that you would want as a kid or an adult was in there to, to munch on, to snack on, to drink soda water, uh, Red Bull, everything. And uh, so him and his son was sitting in back of me, and I was trying not to make a scene. <laughs> yeah. right? I was trying not to make a scene, and I'm, I'm a big picture taker. That's awesome. Um, and so then, like, so I, <laughs> I take that's that picture, great. That's great. and I, the caption of that picture was crushing melons. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> so then, like, I have a tendency of getting cool with people really quick. And so then I, I, I was hesitant about actually posting a picture to Facebook. But I went ahead and posted it, and immediately I got, like, 25, 30 likes off of it, like, within, like, not even 10 minutes. Nice. So then I'm walking around, hanging out, and um, Gallagher sees me in the hallway, and he's like, hey, what's going on? I was like, not much. He says, you've been on that phone all night long. I was like, yep, I'm working. <laughs> so he says, so... You get any pictures of me? And I was like, oh, my God, I think this guy saw my Facebook. Like, I don't know how. We're not friends. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I was like, nope. You said you want one? I was like, uh, sure. Why not? What could it hurt? So we took pictures. And next thing I know, we're hanging out. And I'm, I'm uh, hanging out with him and his son. And I'm making them laugh. <laughs> nice, nice. And, then, and then all of a sudden, it's not like a uh, creepy black dude with dreadlocks. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, let's follow this guy around and see, you know, we want to get entertained, too. And uh, we just, we laughed the whole night. And uh, his, I don't know, for some reason we were talking about smoking pot, and then his son was saying something about smoking pot out of an apple. And I said, yeah, that's pretty cool, but have you ever smoked pot out of a watermelon before? <laughs> the guy lost it because he never had thought of that. He was like, you know what, that's an awesome idea. Dad, you should do that. You should do that. He's like, oh, calm down. We'll get the photographer and we'll... It's like you never... You smash watermelons for your career. Uh, he's Mr. Watermelon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... You never thought about doing a shotgun out of, out of watermelon. Wow. They say everything's been done already once, and apparently that hasn't. Wow. Gallagher's another one growing up. I remember watching him like crazy on his big couch jumping. Oh, yeah. You know. oh, yeah, yeah. And then his brother took over. So it was like, yeah, it was, it was just, it was snacks galore. And this Tanya Lee Davis, um, I was working with her that weekend out there. Mm-hmm. And so then we ended up taking a couple pictures together. And I, he actually drew this artwork on his shirt. So uh, that's Lisa Landry. Uh, she's going to be here yeah. coming up too, I think. Really? Yeah. Her she is awesome. Here at the Armory? Yeah, I, I believe oh, so. And then mm. there's another guy that you've worked with, Matt Holt. Yeah, Matt. Matt, he's actually on the same. Yeah. <laughs> In two weeks, he's coming here. Oh, sweet. Now, this is so weird because me and Matt we just got off a tour together. We were touring for two weeks in uh, uh, Oklahoma City and Little Rock, and we're, we're both on the same record label, on tour records. And uh, his, his CD is, uh, I'm, in, I'm in showbiz, folks. He's. Awesome guy, awesome friend. I've been knowing him since when I very first started comedy. Uh, we were riding in the car coming from Oklahoma City going to Little Rock on tour. And uh, we both got an email to come here to this to this venue. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And it was three dates available. I asked for this date, and he asked for the date he got. Yeah, and we, 26th of July, he'll be here. And we sent them off, and we both, we both got book for this this particular venue at the same time i was like yeah i just got booked for that date and he's like what what date did you ask for i was like 26 he's like that's the date i asked for i was like i'm just kidding i got i got july 5th 
but he's at home this week performing at a, a local club, Crackers Comedy Club in Indianapolis. So, now the Just, club you were talking about where you booked Screech and Jimmy JJ Walker mm-hmm. is that you said you do that very often? Uh, it was it was a weekly show. We were, we were doing that. Uh, we started January sixth. I was the first headliner there, and we kept it going. I was pulling headliners in all over, from all over the country. Um, People that may have not even been there, but they were good friends of mine. But they were, they actually just did me favors by coming through. Because it's not like a direct route to go anywhere. Evansville, Indiana. Yeah. Henderson, Kentucky. Um, but um, they actually came through, and it and it got an interest for the comedy. But I don't. I think for some reason it was a problem with advertising. So uh, we went ahead and took the summer off. And I don't, I don't know if they're going to pick back up in the, um, the fall or not, but... Uh, we actually introduced stand up to them. Now they, I, I hear that they had stand up at that venue as actual comedy club there, years ago. But they happened to be the only club in the area that allowed smoking inside, being that it was across the river oh, wow. in Kentucky. Oh, because wow. across the river in Evansville, Indiana, no smoking inside. So like four or five clubs lost a lot of business. They ended up closing. So they got all the business over there. Oh, nice. And I mean, they just started doing a crazy amount of different. Uh, things every night so Wednesday night was their slow night so we said uh, we want to do some comedy there and it actually uh, it it was averaging like 15 to 17 the first first couple times and then after that start peaking at 30 50 70 and then once we hit Jimmy Walker we were doing like 70 a show oh, wow. yeah so Jimmy actually helped our numbers out pretty pretty significantly do they do like uh, open mics and stuff like that too or? they didn't do open mics they were talking about doing open mics but um they had a, a smaller comedy club that was across the bridge, and they did Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but we did just Wednesdays, and like they ran through the people that they could in a short amount of time. Yeah, and it wasn't like it was a bad venue; it was just we were doing different comedy than they were. I would I, w- I wouldn't bring in the same comics that were coming in <laughs> over there it's just so we can sustain both venues. Yeah, there's been a um, just in this area. There's been a, you know, like staying up here, but uh, um, outside in uh, Walworth County, okay. some of the hotel resorts. Oh, really? Like the Friday night comedy. Yeah, seasonal, seasonal comedy. And uh, they've been pulling in like uh, you know three, four hundred people. Really? And uh, yeah, like pretty, pretty awesome crowds. Wow, I'm surprised I didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah. really. That's deep. It, yeah. I went to one. Um, uh, just my first one, and they brought in like uh, three or four guys from Chicago area or something okay. like that. And it was just packed. Like they weren't even expecting. They weren't even ready for the crowd. Wow. So, but what, one thing they don't do around here, they don't do open mics at all. You right. Know, you have not, to either go to Milwaukee, Madison. Yeah. I, you know what? Open mic is a monster of its own, and some people choose not to even deal with it. I like to go to open mic shows because it's a different kind of flavor. I like to go and watch occasionally here and there open mics just to see what people are working on because, yeah, depending on how open mics go, um, they, um, like you can feel the flavor of where comedy is headed towards. Kind of like with music. And if you never actually even sit down and take a look at it, it'll be passing over you. Yeah, Yeah, I've looked at the, uh, like the open mic a little bit in, uh, I went to a couple of them in uh, in Madison. Oh, I'm good. But it was, uh, I'm okay. (laughs) But it was, uh, you know, you kind of had to get on a list. Right. And then even though you signed up on a list, you may or may not. Right. They kind of pick and choose they want. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like you might just go each time and hang out. You know, well, it's good. I mean, it, it trains comics to, uh, to respect the art. And you yeah. can't just go up there because you have a lot of first-timers just showing up and going up. And, you know, they have no idea the etiquette and the structure of a show. It's totally different than regular comedy. And open micro comics, they might not necessarily laugh at somebody like me, like the, the audience. Those crowds are a specific audience. And just like how 
everybody doesn't think the open micers are funny. Open mic crowds think they're funny. It's, it's a whole nother thing. Like, um, you go to LA and New York, it's open mics are people that are not necessarily are professionals. Yeah. Not in all cases, but they can be. Or maybe just people using it as a hobby. Or it's a serious hobby for them. But when I went up to LA, uh, I went to the comedy store. Uh, Club Polly Shore's parents started. Mitzi? Mitzi and, Mitzi and um, um, I forgot his dad's I name. I can't even think of it. Sammy, Sammy. I just actually saw Sammy a couple weeks ago in Vegas hosting a benefit for some uh, for some kids or something. It was, he was it was at the theater at the same casino I was performing at, at the um, at the New Orleans. Uh-huh. And uh, who did they have there? David Copperfield was there, I think. Uh, uh, Gitchy Guy was there, and also uh, Billy Gardell was there. And it was it was from Mike and Molly. Oh, okay. And it was it was awesome watching the show. Like I, I watched their show, and I had to run back at uh, two o'clock and watch the special show from another friend who was who was playing down the hall. But um, so we're at the comedy store. And they had this Potluck Monday show. So my friends talked me into going to this show. They said, it's a sign-up list at 6 o'clock. You put your name on 6, and then you come back at 7. You fill out this form. Not just your name. You fill out a form. Then you leave, and everybody goes get gets food or whatnot, and you come back. Well, we come back an hour later. Now, mind you, this is about like 70 or 80 comics putting their name on this list. Which I, like, I heard about it, but I was like, are you serious? 70 or 80 comics, Really? So I show up, and yeah, it's 70 or 80 comics <laughs> signing up on a list. We come back an hour later. It was like five of us in a group. We're all hanging out. Now, I didn't even expect to make the list, <laughs> let alone the position in the list. I was number one. <laughs> and they only choose 16 Yeah. out of the 80 comics to show up. We only choose 16, and I was number one out of the 16. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> right? Because yeah. as soon as they post the list, they open up the doors, and the show starts in five minutes. Oh, oh, wow. The MC goes up, and within three or four minutes, he's bringing me up. Oh, wow. Now, I didn't think I was even going to make the list, so I don't even have an idea of what material I'm going to do. Uh-huh. And uh, if you ever want to bomb, go to one of those shows. <laughs> and like it, it literally ripped the spirit out of me for like a half a second. And then there, and people were like, oh, you went to the Monday Night at the Comedy Store? No, you can't go to that. Because that, that'll make you want to change your whole career. <laughs> and, like, the guy who was hosting it, he was, um, like, the people that are sitting in the show, they were five regular audience people. And then the other 60 people were comics that didn't make the list. Oh, just, oh, ir- just pissed off. Exactly. Oh, right? Better. So try making them laugh. Yeah. Wow. And so we're all in the back, and uh, I'm, I'm watching, and the way they do it is, uh, so-and-so is the winner, like, like, I was the winner. Obviously, I was the first comic. <laughs> I was the best one so far. Yeah. And then, should so-and-so, because they had some kind of contest by it. Should so-and-so go on, or should he be replaced? Like, I beat the next person that came up. And then, clearly, the third person that came up. But, like, at the time, like, I hadn't had a L.A. set. Because these, these comics are working on five tight minutes for TV. Four, five, four to seven tight minutes. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't used to that style, because I'm a storyteller. And stretched out a little bit. Yeah, like, cook, let them cook. Oh, yeah. And there was no room for that. So the way he responded to me is almost the way the, the MC was like, oh, yeah, so go back and work on it. Like, no, you work on it. You have no clue. Right. Who are you talking to, you idiot? I've, but, heard, I've heard some comics talk about how they'll do two shows in one night, and at one club, they just bomb. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, nothing. And they go to the next club, do the exact same material, and it kills. Yeah, so you're only as good as your tell. last show. Even if you kill the first show, doesn't mean you're going to kill the second show right. somewhere else. I mean, it's all just based on who's in the audience. Yeah. That's what I think that's uh, the drug that comics get addicted to is the, the fact that, you know, that adrenaline rush. It's almost like having sex in your parents' house. You know what I mean? Like, you know, or in a park and the police come. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> instead of it's that feeling like, what's going to happen? And every show's different, so. While they're filming it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> that's totally different. <laughs> Not a rush. <laughs> While they're directing you, what to do? Yeah. A little bit more. A little bit more action. Yeah. <laughs> Act like you want it. Again. <laughs> You're not done that quick. So how's the uh, how's the new CD going, man? Everything's good, man. It's um it's been all um bought all over the world. Um, right now it's. It's in a high rotation on uh, Jamie Foxx show on Sirius XM. Oh, nice! Um, Let me check that off my list. I'm really, really excited about it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't expect. I knew I was going to work hard on it, and it's just I look at when I look at rappers, and I, I, I use rappers because rappers are the lowest form of. They get the lowest form of respect when it comes to music. I think because not a lot of people like rap. Yeah, and people who like it, they they really like it. Um, so when I look how rappers like Lil Wayne how he gets like a million in the first week okay first of all it's hard to get a hundred in the first week but a million yeah a million is platinum 500,000 is gold it's not some rappers that are getting a hundred thousand in the first week they may not get a hundred thousand in the entirety life of the of the CD but um it took off in the first 24 hours uh it came in at number 69, ironically. Oh, nice. 69 on iTunes, and then the next day it was 87. And the next day it, it was totally, it was because it was on the top 100 of comedy CDs. Uh-huh. And it was totally off of it. So I had gotten pictures of it, and I'd post it on Facebook, like it's right beside Bill Cuz and Richard Pryor. <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to last long. My yeah. publicist, she was like, yeah, it's going to, I'm, I'm going to guess you're going to probably go down to 40. I was like, yeah, good, good wishing. Just because it's, those people are, they're constantly pushing product. Like, you know, Richard Pryor, Obviously, not here to push it, but doesn't need a lot of help either. Yeah, it's still sell. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really happy with that. And right now, I'm actually back at the table and I'm writing for the new CD. I'm gonna record that this uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and it's gonna uh, release uh, April 20th of next year. Nice. It's called yeah. High Expectations. Awesome. Oh, sweet. sweet. Hey, you, to check that out. you know, you bring that up about uh, Lil Wayne or other rap albums like they come out and they sell a million in the first week. Right. But if you compare one of his CDs mm-hmm. to another one, they're, and I'm just saying anyone in particular, I'm not saying anything, right. but they're just as good, but what makes that one sell? I always think that with the podcast. Anticipation. <clears throat> I'm Anticipation. Like, our, our podcast, I listen to other ones, I'm like, we're better than right. the majority of these guys. And, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard. But well, I'm we're, like, what? We're, we're the shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll smell you. I'll smell you guys. making people download that one that many Vers- times. Versus, yeah. Uh, I think it all comes down to marketing. Yeah. Marketing is the key because... I've seen a lot of people market correctly. Like, like I wouldn't have gotten as much. I did. I did a few podcasts. This is one of the first ones I had done. And had I not done that, then I know for a fact I, I wouldn't have had the response I had. Like people in other countries buying it. People buying more than one copy. Yeah. Uh, I bought a copy myself. That wouldn't have happened. <laughs> I believe. I believed in it after I, you know, saw what was going on. But um, 
it got picked up on Pandora. Like we had just we just contacted Pandora, and then uh, within two days, I had my own Pandora station. Oh wow! And uh, the owner of the, of the label, uh, a, f- a friend of mine, texted me from Seattle. He's like, "Yeah, we're listening to your Pandora station." And, and I tell my uh, label owner, and he's like, "Yeah, you don't even have a Pandora station yet. I just emailed him two days ago. You saw the email <laughs> I sent him." And I was like, well, my friend's not a liar. He says, well, let's go in here and let's see. And then, like, two minutes later, he's like, well, I guess you got a Pandora station. <laughs> and, and just things just move like that. The same That's way awesome. with, with the, the Jamie Foxx thing. Like, it was all like a trickle-down effect. Like, um, the whole iTunes thing, When once they picked it up, they moved it to the new and noteworthy section on uh, on iTunes. That's and huge. It was, it, I, I didn't know how huge it was at the time, <laughs> but it got me a lot of extra that I, I couldn't even expect. Like it was right beside Eric Griffin, who's on uh, what's that that uh, show? He's on uh, Workaholics. Okay. Sure. He's a uh, Montez on Workaholics. Uh-huh. It was between his and um, Eugene Merman, who's the voice of Bob on Bob's Burgers, the cartoon. Uh huh. My city was sitting right in the middle there. It's on the new and noteworthy section, and it's still on there. It just rotates, and every time somebody new comics come out, it just keeps going, and it's still on there except it's just in a back file now. <clears throat> But once that happened, um, then, like, Sirius was, I guess they caught word of it because it was a post about it. And then um, all of a sudden it got picked up by the Jamie Foxx show. Yeah. And they said, we're putting it in rotation. And then I think March or I think April 1st they started playing it. And then since then it's just pretty much just on fire. And Sirius has been talking about picking us up, yeah, too. Yeah, I was going to say, rumor we, has it. we, we did find know. a way to get a lot of publicity, and that's to lie about Sirius picking us up. <laughs> that post on Facebook was huge. You know what? I'm not going to... They're always looking for new people because a friend of mine who's also on the record label, um, Ward Anderson, he just released his new CD, and he got picked up uh, on a Canadian Sirius station. Hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, he just got picked up, and he had a podcast. Ward and Allison or something like that. And... I don't know what it is, but it's something that it's something that makes people look at you. Yeah. And I think it's all about marketing. Yeah. And then once you figure that out, it's just like uh, it's like a home run. Like Christopher Titus, him and his fiance, they they have a they have a podcast, and it actually rebirths careers. Yeah. I'm saying a lot of people are starting to get, you know, Mark Maron. His, does he have a podcast? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's nuts. Mike Merrifield, he has a podcast. Um, <clears throat> It's just regular radio. People, people want more options, more outlets. And if you look now, uh, I mean, we used to have four TV stations, four, yeah. six, eight, and thirteen. Number Channel Four was an independent uh, station. The other stations were stations that were broadcast out of New York. So Channel Four was trying to come up with some kind of philosophy how they can get watchers. And they used to play uh, the national anthem and have the American flag going at the beginning of the program, and then at the end of the program at midnight when they went off the air. No, yeah. same thing. And uh, they built a, a, a fan base, and they made everybody in the studio was assigned jobs. They had to play characters on the network, and they built that Channel Four into it was one of the most uh, successful independent stations in the United States. Huh. Yeah, they don't have that much anymore on the local <laughs> stations. Like, yeah, I remember they used to have like a, a kids character, like where he would do the Saturday morning cartoons, like Uncle Bob's, whatever. Or, yeah, we had Cowboy Bob. Or, or cow, yeah, or like they would have like a horror guy. I remember there was... Tammy Terry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Stuff what, like that. That's actually who I was talking about, those two characters specifically. Uh-huh. And Cowboy Bob, he was a, uh, in Indianapolis, he was a character, uh, he was a guy named Bob something, who was one of the people who worked in the studio, and he played a little guitar, and so all of a sudden, they said, Bob, pick up that guitar. We're gonna make you a, a character on this network, and he had Cowboy Bob's corral. Yeah. <laughs> then Sammy Terry, 
he was uh, he introduced all the spooky movies. Now he had a bachelor's degree, and he was in charge of a lot of things there at the studio. And all of a sudden, he introduced these B grade, uh, <laughs> just crappy movies. Yeah, yeah the but they were scary though. Yeah. They were scary. It's almost Godzilla. You know, it was late night on Friday night, so everybody became accustomed to seeing this. And he had like a little fake spider, Igor. He thought <laughs> it was on like a little string. You could see the string; it wasn't even visible. I think it was yarn. Yeah. And um, he, he actually just passed away, and he, I think he might have been in his uh, 80s or 90s. But this is what networks had to do, but now you have so many cable networks and so many shows, so many cooking shows, yeah. you never run out of channels. And they're going up to the thousands now. Yeah. And you can flip through all day long, direct TV or Infinity, and it'll keep counting as long as you keep pushing. Yeah, it's uh, that's one thing. The Internet's awesome that it brought, that made the world so much smaller, but it really it makes it so small <coughs> that there's not a lot of that regional stuff anymore right. where you would get yeah. that like your Cowboy Bob or kind of like a, like a Super Walmart coming along yeah. moving out all the mom and pops right or even like same effect same thing with wrestling uh, professional wrestling they had the right. territories they, oh yeah and, they, and, they, and they ate it all up it just, it just all ate up into one WWE killed everything but yeah well no like uh, like on iTunes like obviously iTunes is where you want to be right and I think a lot of it too is I saw you get a lot of awesome feedback and comments mm-hmm. on your on your CD. So uh, you know, it got a lot more than a lot Amazon. Good, a lot of good reviews, right? Yeah, and it's on Amazon too. It's so on Amazon, iTunes, Google Music. Um, thing with Amazon, um, people don't realize what Amazon do, does is the the reason uh, they're you get, they're able to sell stuff for so cheap is because whoever the wholesale is, the vendor is, they buy that from them for half that price. And then they're then they're able to sell it a lot cheaper. If they pay less for it, then they can resell it at a price where they make a big profit and also saves the consumer. So my CD on Amazon, uh, I don't encourage people to buy it from there. I think I saw you write that. Well, I don't remember, but if I didn't, I should write it on there. And I think too, like uh, with like mobile traffic is so huge now. Oh yeah, and a majority of mobile traffic is on uh, is on uh, iPhones and iPads. Right. So that makes sense with iTunes being the more popular. Oh, for sure. I'm 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 happy with um, with the plays that I get from there, and like a a few of my artists on on the label that I'm on, they they actually are like Paul Strickland, Tim Northern. Um, Ross Duncliffe, they're they're getting so much play that it's it's just crazy sick to see um, such a re- uh, label that's respected like that because these are all like heavy hitters that are on this label. Jose Sardui, he's in the GIs of comedy. Um, they were on CNN uh, a couple months ago, and it's like four military guys and they're 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 former military and they're all comedians. Uh, another guy from the group uh, went and did a, a tour in Iraq with. So a lot of these people on this label are doing a lot of things and. Just to see uh, XM and Sirius picking up on everybody on the label. Not everybody, but quite a few people on there. And just to play them. It's like a whole new thing. Like, I I don't consider myself uh, a black comedian, but a comedian that's black. And um, just to see the, the direction that that Jamie Foxx picked up the, uh, the CD. And it's not a deaf comedy jam CD. Or they're not just doing deaf comedy jam acts or, you know... Uh, Urban acts per yeah. se, sure, but sure. you know, cool. Nice. And you got a uh, you got a new website now. New website, chrisshaw.com is it is new. It's rebuilt. It's a lot of stuff uh, being added to it uh, on a weekly basis. I want to say daily, but 
you know how that goes. Looks pretty yeah. cool. I saw you had a lot of show dates coming up. Yeah, man. I'm, a, I'm, I'm working hard. I got some festival stuff coming. I started out with Laugh Fest in Grand Rapids, Michigan uh, back in March. And uh, I have, uh, in August, I have um, Laugh Your Asheville Off. And that's uh, in Hippie Town of Asheville, North Carolina. It's a big festival. A lot of big names going to be there. A lot of industry. It's August 13th through the 17th. Um, I have an audition uh, for NBC down in Austin, Texas, September 22nd, Stanford University. Um, I'm getting into colleges now. Nice. What's so, the audition for? The audition's for, uh, it's called Stanford University, so pretty much anybody that's non-white uh-huh. can audition. So a couple Irish guys? So, yeah, Irish. No, not Irish. You guys are <laughs> non-white skin to hold color. Us down. Right, yeah. No, you guys are holding us down. <laughs> well, only one of us every couple now and then gets through. But a lot of people that you've seen that you probably don't even realize have come from the Standard Diversity Program. Um, uh, look up NBC Standard for Diversity, Google that, and then just see some of the people that made it off of there, like Hannibal Burris out of Chicago. Uh, he's one of the writers for, I think, made it The Office, and then uh, also a Saturday Night Live like a couple seasons ago. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And, I mean, just a lot of people you wouldn't, like when you read their credits, oh, uh, the guy on uh, Tropical Thunder, Tropical Thunder, the black guy. Okay. He came from the Stanford Diversity thing. Like, what they do is, I think they go out and they get, like, uh, people of color that are not necessarily, like, one way or the other, but they, they can go to the mainstream, but, like, but follow the... I don't know. I don't know how, how they're selected, but I know it's it's people of color. Okay. But it's, uh, it's something that I've been needing, been needing and wanting to do in my career. And I don't want to be on the road forever. I want to start digging into more acting and, and stuff like that, so... The only way to do it is to go to festivals and, you know, be out there versus just working. It's like you're pretty old traveling around all the time? Uh, yeah, it gets pretty old because, you know, I miss my family. Yeah, um, that's got to be tough. You know, I got five kids, so this this I'm actually on a, like a vacation right now. This is like the only date I had in a couple of weeks. And just to sit at home and just watch my kids laugh and, you know, show them some of my Vine videos and yeah. <laughs> just just do crazy stuff. Stuff we're supposed to do as a family and... You know, sleep in my own bed versus sleeping in a hotel or a condo. It's just, I love traveling the world. I love meeting new people, but it's a point in time where, you know, everybody has to take a break, no matter what you do. Sure, sure. What, uh, so you mentioned, like, uh, college campuses? Mm-hmm. What, um, any any specific campuses you want to know? Uh, no, uh, the region that we're signing up for is, uh, it's the uh, region, actually, uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, Ohio, Illinois, oh, Kentucky, cool. and I think Michigan. And also the uh, West Coast, we're doing NACA West, and that's uh, I think everything west of the Rocky Mountains, Oregon, Washington State, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, British Columbia. Uh, so it'll be those two areas that we're going to go for. But um, Oh, man, that means uh, you'll have to watch, too, because I bet your uh, social media will blow up. I, that's that's what I'm, I'm hoping happens, because yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of backbone behind that. Yeah. We should probably let you eat. We only yeah. got 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, it looks yep. like uh, some people oh, wow. are starting to trickle in. They're coming in. Pretty sweet. They must have saw our uh, Facebook post. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> we got. We have tripled the crowd since we sat down. Yeah, clearly they're all fans of the Old Mick Podcast. All right, man. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for talking with us. Thanks today, for coming dude. out, brother. I appreciate it, man. Oh, yeah. Cool. Can't wait to Let's talk to you again after you start doing the colleges. Yes, that'd be awesome. we got to get the colleges down. Yeah. All right, man. I'm going to order some food, too. I'm going to go get drunk. Nice. I'll meet you there. All right. <laughs> Peace out, guys. Later, man. Please hang up and try again. That's chrisshaw.com. K-R-I-S-S-H-A-W.com. 
Uh, next up, Andy talks to a guy by the name of Barry Wright. You might remember Barry Wright from the JWA. He is one half of the Tag Team Champions. And he's also a cancer survivor who had a documentary made about him called Life on the Ropes. Uh, he talks about that. He talks a little bit about an upcoming WWE tryout. And, oh, oh, so much more. Barry Wright. All right, everybody, we got a treat here tonight. I'm here actually at the uh, PPW Event 7 in uh, Villa Park, Illinois. And uh, with me here is uh, Barry Wright. What's up, Barry? What's up, Andy? What's up, fans of this podcast? Oh, Greatly man. happy to be a part of it, finally, after all these times trying to be a part of this show. Oh, no. I had to grab you for a few minutes, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining us here in the Open Mic. Um, just want to say, like, big match tonight, huh? Yeah, I, I wrestled a non-title match for my uh, Heritage title, and I somehow pulled a win over against the tag team, which was surprising. That's so. a triple threat uh, championship, right? So it's like you versus two other guys. Like three, uh, it's like uh, everybody for themselves, right? Yeah, it's, it's the concept of it. It's going to be me versus always two challengers, and it's going to be elimination rules. So in order for the champion to re- retain his belt, he's going to have to beat two guys in, in one match, basically. All right, cool, cool, cool. But, uh, yeah, so uh, what's what's been going on with you? You've been, uh, I mean, you've been on, uh, you've had a lot of things going on. Oh, man, had, I've, been, uh, I've been crazy. I've had a, I had a crazy weekend this week from, from Iowa. I've been doing a lot of Iowa wrestling. I got big things coming up in July. I got both a WWE and a TNA tryout within a day difference. I got a WWE tryout July 12th and a TNA one July 14th. So oh, hoping awesome. to make big things on that. I, where, I, are the, where are those at? Uh, July 12th is for the um, Impact Pro, it's funny, it's called Impact Pro Wrestling, but it's for WWE. It's the, they have a thing called a Hall of Fame uh, wrestling show, and it, Edge is going to be there, Ric Flair is going to be there, Kurt Angle, a whole bunch of other wrestlers. But before that, let, they've been doing it for several years. They have like WWE tryouts, so they have Jim Ross and Jerry Briscoe, scouting guys. So what you have to do is you have to send like a match of, you have to send them a match and a promo to be um, admitted to see this, uh, to be a part of the camp. And what you do is you're going to go out there and give them a seven-minute match. And the reason they pick seven minutes is because seven minutes is how they do a lot of their matches on Monday Night Raw. So we're going to have no entrance. Um, it's free to the public, so if any like family of the wrestlers that want to get there, I think it's limited to about 40 guys. It's going to be broken up to like 15 singles matches probably and then a couple tag matches. So we're going to go out there. I did it actually last year after I did my Ryback thing. And I got some good reviews from Jerry Briscoe. Not so much from Jim Ross just because I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But it's pretty cool. After you do the tryout, you get to sit and have like a Q&A with Ross and Briscoe, who are the head talent scouts for WWE. So I'm pretty stoked for that. And then the next, not the next day, but the following day, I am doing a, a TNA camp with El Snow. And that's being uh, produced by uh, David Hero from uh, Great Lakes Championship Wrestling. Oh, and very cool, very cool. yeah, and I, I was on a couple of shows with El Snow back in um, back in Windy City, and recently back in Pro Wrestling Blitz when I was a part of that. And I remember remember him uh, singling me out, saying that he liked my gimmick and he liked where I was going with that. So I'm hoping that he remembers me and that I could slide in that hole that I'm like the top 16 from the TNA gut check thing and just slide in there because if he has any pool, you know, I mean, the, I don't know if you saw last week's Impact, but their gut check challenge was absolutely terrible. Now, are you always like? Uh are you constantly like touching base with these guys just so they yeah, remember I, your name? Yeah, I am. Like uh, recently, because WWE just did a pay per view in Chicago, I reached out to my contact who got me in to do the Ryback uh, gimmick to see if they needed any extras. Unfortunately, I didn't hear anything back. 
the her personal number that I had of my contact was changed to just a generic operating service. So all I could really do is leave voicemails and emails, and that's kind of hard to do. But I did resend them a new uh, resume and stuff like that. But I'm I'm really just hoping to impress Ross or Briscoe this uh, upcoming month. Oh, nice! That's awesome, man. Yeah. Best of luck with that. Thank you, thank you. A lot of people uh, like you were on SmackDown, but you yeah. weren't as Barry Wright. You were a different character. Yeah. Right? yeah. Different name. They it, and you wrestled Ryback, right? Yeah, wrestled, wrestled Ryback is probably about almost a year now on on WWE SmackDown, and it's funny they already had like the names picked out for these guys that were gonna be fed to Ryback, sure, and sure. so they said Jobber One is Brendan Burke, Jobber Two's <laughs> name is Dan Barone, and lucky me I was Jobber Two, and I basically they picked like the smallest guys from the tryouts because I, I did I was on that Raw before that Smackdown because I had a two day tryout with them so I traveled for Raw was backstage then I traveled to Indiana for Smackdown was backstage had my tryouts then uh, so that was a pretty cool experience and basically during the Smack during the tryouts before Smackdown Ryback came out and it was kind of just like looking around the ring and I'm, me I'm thinking like oh man like he's been doing this thing where he's been beating up these local guys like let me like kind of get closer to him so he can see that I'm kind of on the smaller side. And I was the second shortest guy there, so I figured I had a relatively good chance. And the guy that was actually shorter than me didn't get picked because of how ridiculously jacked he was. No lie, he was short, bald, and swole. So he was like mini Ryback. I can't believe that they didn't sign him right then and there and be like Ryback Jr. and come out as a manager. I think that would have been pretty over. Now tell us a little bit um, about your personal life because you just had uh, a movie out, right? Yeah. Like an film. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, my buddy that I went to high school with, Walter Benaziak, he's he went to uh, Governor State University for film directing. That's what he's wanting. He's been wanting to be a film director since high school. And during high school, he created a couple small uh, budget films. And me and him, we're, we've been always close. He'd always come over to watch like wrestling pay-per-views or just talk wrestling. And when I was sick, he always told me that once we get through this, that we're going to try to make a, make a movie about it so we could get the story out. And then finally, after everything went through, and he actually got a chance to create the movie for a class. So he created this movie called Life on the Ropes, the Barry Wright story. And what he did was uh, he followed me around to uh, one of my matches in Indiana. So he was with me before I went to the show. He traveled with me to the car. He filmed me backstage getting ready before the match. He filmed me going through the curtain, filmed the match. He filmed everything, and he got, like, the basic concept and, and gist of what it's like to be backstage before a wrestling show. And then he was able to interview, like, my parents and my girlfriend and my, and my brother and stuff like that to get their reactions to how I was doing with wrestling and how, like, the cancer treatments when I was going through and how it affected me and stuff like that. And so, for those that don't know, you had uh, Hodgkin's I, 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 had, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, stage 2. I I was diagnosed back in uh, April 2010, and I've been in remission since January 2011. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, that's it's awesome. pretty stoked. Uh, not too long ago, maybe about a month ago, I went to uh, get my annual, not my annual, my six-month CT scan, and my blood work was fine, and there showed no signs of any kind of cancer. So. Oh, that's awesome. So now, now I got to go back six months again, but that's just for blood work. So I, I'm fine with that. I, I don't mind going to the doctor. Like, it's... It's scary going back because you never know like how the results are going to be. But at the same time, like I want to go back because I want them to catch it early. Because when I was diagnosed, my cancer was already six months old, so it was like already spread to my body. So if knock on wood that it never has to come back, but it does, I want them to probably catch it. You know. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Now, where can, uh, if anybody wants to see the film, where can they, uh, is there somewhere they can go to? Yeah, they, they, they could uh, visit uh, co10studios.net or just uh, look it up on the Facebook. There's a Facebook page called uh, Life on the Ropes, The Barry Wright Story, or you could look up uh, Cold Tent Studios. That's the uh, film group that Walter Rampanasiak is a part of who produced, directed, and edited this amazing film. We had the uh, premiere a couple months ago at my uh, high school where both me and Walter went to. We had about 150 to 200 uh, friends and family there to see the movie on the big screen, and we even had a press from the Hammond Times was there. It was a great overall uh, thing, and needless to say, everyone loved the movie. So pretty soon, uh, once he's uh, entering it in film festivals, and once it gets through to the film festivals, then we could start producing DVDs because since it's um, a budget uh, film and it's set and he wants to get like the, the notice out on it, he can't sell copies of the DVDs until it gets into at least one film festival. So we're just kind of waiting patiently, patiently to uh, get into some several film festivals so then I could start handing the DVDs out to like wrestling shows and stuff like that. Oh, very cool, very yeah, cool. Yeah, so. definitely want to check that out. Yeah, um, big things. Anything else uh, you want to plug? Facebook, Twitter? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Barry Wright. Friend me on Facebook. I will uh, accept it. <laughs> Same thing, at Barry Wright. Uh, I have a YouTube account, slash Barry Wright. Every, everything's pretty much the same name. But yeah, like if, if I upload a video, I'll upload it to Facebook, I'll upload it to Twitter. One thing I won't do is I won't post the same thing on Facebook to Twitter. Like I know a lot of people like link that together. I don't. I was like, if I want to post something on Facebook, let that just be Facebook, and then I'll go on Twitter and do something completely different. Sure, so sure. be sure to find me on one or both of them, and you'll you'll get and you you'll get cool promo videos too. I've seen yeah, I, I, I'm uh, my promos are pretty spot on, and I've gotten a new laptop, so I've been able to do some cool uh, editing work with that. And I try to do them every so often when I have like a bigger match coming. Like it it's just something to do when I'm not given like a mic in the ring to actually get my point across. I still want to be able to. To tell it and still uh, stay sharp. Uh, cool, man. Cool. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for stopping and talking. Oh, this no problem. Bit, I hope to and, be uh, able to do this again. Dude, I still got my bracelets on. Yeah, I love the support, man. Love I haven't taken them off, man. That's probably like what? How, when did you give? Oh man, months ago. Yeah, right? at least <laughs> back in 2012. That's for sure. Right? I still got them on. I yeah, big them support off. from Andy. All right. Man. <laughs> well, thanks for joining the Mick, man. I appreciate yeah, it. no problem. Hope right. everyone takes care. All right. Good luck with your trials. I right, thanks. And next up, Andy talks with WWE future superstar Alpha Samoa, who actually does have a contract with WWE and was wrestling one last time before he heads off to be shaped into whatever Vince McMahon wants him to be. So check this out. This is Alpha Samoa. All right, man. I'm here with... uh with new uh, WWE talent, uh, Alpha Samoa. What's up, man? What's going on, man? How you doing? Good, man. Uh, we're here at uh, PPW's Event 7, and uh, you had a big match tonight with uh, one of the guys you trained with, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. It was, uh, it was a coming out party for him. Uh, he's been refereeing a lot, but he's been working working real hard, and uh, I wanted to reward him, man, you know, just by uh, having a good match. We went out there and put on a show for the people. Very cool, very cool. Now, um, just tell everybody a little bit now. Um, how did you? Uh, how did the whole WWE thing come about? <laughs> you know, funny story, man. I uh, was playing pro ball. I uh, broke my leg, uh, so sitting at home doing nothing really, healing up, feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> was in the gym hard, you know. I'm a, I'm a heavier guy, bigger dude, and uh, one of my buddies was like, "Man, you need to go do some wrestling." He's like, "Come to a gym with me." So I uh, went to a gym, uh, watched it for about two weeks straight, and I was like, "Let me give it a try." I started in. I want to say December. In February, I had a WWE tryout, man. We sent down some pictures in the bio, and 
next thing you know, they came down knocking. February, I went down there with, a, I think, 160 other guys, and uh, oh, wow. they picked up four of us. How so, was the trial, man? It was pretty, pretty yeah, brutal? I mean, it was, it was, intense, it was pretty right? intense, man. You know, even coming from a football background, it was still pretty intense. Uh, a lot of mental, mental conditioning, you know, just uh, – because a lot of guys, they have you on the road, and their thing is, if you're on the road for 300 days out of the year, are you going to break? Are you going to leave? Are you going to jump ship? You're not going to be on the tour bus to go to the next show because sure, you sure. can't mentally handle it. So down there, they try to break you in both ways, physically and mentally, and then that's about it. It's more fun than anything, man. It's an experience, you know. For, for guys that have been wrestling, you know, I, I put on a pair of boots now, and some of these guys have boots that are older than me <laughs> or boots that, you know, have more ring time than I do, definitely. Um, so I'm blessed, you know, I was definitely blessed to get an opportunity. And when I got the opportunity, I went down there and I, I busted my butt, you know, pretty much. And they seen that and nice, I was man. blessed, you know. Now this tonight, this was your final match before you go. Now you're going to be in you're yeah. WWE employee, Yeah, right? yeah. I, uh, so that's it. I was supposed Crazy. to go down in uh, June 15th. I uh, had a minor setback. I tore, uh, I had a deep muscle tear in my quad. Okay. So uh, I had to get an arthroscopic, I had to get it scoped out and get this minor glue surgery. Um, so I've been out for a while, haven't done anything, but uh, I wanted to come back and do my last show here for PPW before I was getting ready to leave. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I started here, so I figured I'd finish here. And now you're, how soon are you headed down to, you're uh, down to Florida, right? Yeah, I'm going down to Orlando, Florida. Uh, it's looking like I'm, le- it's looking like right now I'm in the process of looking for my apartment and things like that. And once all that stuff's pretty done, done, I'm, I'm thinking maybe before August, I'll probably head out of here, be gone down there and starting school. Awesome, awesome, man. Yeah, the new school opens up July 8th, or July 18th. The new school opens up, and so I'll probably be down there a little bit after that. Cool, cool. Real cool, man. Um, wow, thanks for uh, thanks for taking a minute to talk with us. No problem, and, man. Uh, do good things, man. Yeah, man, definitely. Can't, can't wait to see thank you, you guys. You know, uh, thank you. Big shout-out to you for giving me an opportunity to wrestle on your show. Uh, give me a chance to come out there and get an experience with Janesville, which is a crazy crowd. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely a big ups to you guys. Uh, it was a great show. Uh, probably the biggest show I worked while I was here. Um, and you know, thanks to everybody else who gave me an opportunity just to do what I needed to do. I appreciate that. Cool, man. Do good things. Thank you, bro. All right. All right, man. And last but not least, Andy talks with wrestling promoter extraordinaire Rockin' Randy. He's the guy that trained Andy, gave Andy a start, and he's quite a character. Check him out. Rockin' Randy. All right, man. Uh, I'm here, uh, PPW event seven, the return. I'm here with uh, with Rock and Randy Ricci. What's up, Brand? Mm, nothing, and you? Oh man. Well, I didn't How's win. That? I didn't win tonight. How's that big juicy hog of yours? <laughs> it's doing I good, see. man. It's doing good. Oh, oh no, that's cool. We're just doing an interview, but yeah, whatever. Respect. You guys can stop by R-E-S-P-E-K. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> All these goofy kids. <laughs> But uh, tell me a little bit, man. Uh, I thought the show was great, man. I had, a, I had a pretty good match. I had fun. Yeah, that, that was a great triple threat match, and I think that Alex Bernardino has definitely got... He's come a long way. The kid's developing. Yeah, he's getting better. And uh, we got... Uh, I talked earlier with uh, with triple threat champion Barry Wright, uh-huh. and uh, that was cool. I heard he's got a lot of cool things coming up. Yep. And uh, I also uh, talked a few minutes with uh, Alpha Samoa. That's something. That, talk um, about a few things coming up. Right. Tell us a little bit about that. Like how you got, uh, you know, you helped them. You helped them get uh, in the door, right? Yeah. Let's shoot on this for fans, area workers as well. Uh, Alpha Samoa was knocking around at a couple of different alleged superstar training facilities in Chicago. Sure. Sure. 
I'm telling you right now, most of the wrestling companies and training facilities here, you are never going to get over more than the guy that owns them or runs them. And uh, after knocking around with that, a mutual friend said, will you take a look at this kid? You've got to see him. There's more to it than just seeing him today. So, yeah, I took a look at him. He took his, his coat off, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> you know? He definitely has the look, right? Oh, and he's such a nice guy, too. Nice guy. Um, yeah, we had, him, but, uh, we had him in Janesville for a little bit, and uh, yeah. nothing but professional, that guy. The other awesome. Th- exactly, and that's, that, that's what finally happens. I have to test him every which way possible. I mess with him emotionally. Not in a bad way. I don't play no games with him, but I test right. him because, damn it, I'm not going to kill off my relationship with World Wrestling Entertainment, which they take me seriously on who I present to them. So uh, after testing this guy every which way possible and teaching him as much as I could in a short period of time, they saw that picture, realized the fact that what I said was true in regards to his personality and also the fact that he doesn't have any bad habits. And... Uh, the kid who acted like he wasn't afraid or nervous called me as he landed at the airport in Florida and said, now I'm nervous. Can you give me any last-minute advice? And after I figured out who he was, what we taught him, what he retained, I said, just be your damn self. And that's what got him hired by World Wrestling Entertainment. Right. That's yeah. awesome. And, I mean, you're getting... Uh not even with uh, shows here with PPW, but you also have a training facility? We have a training facility, and that's what... The whole thing ties in together, and I've got to find a clear way to put this out there. First thing is this. Our business model at this point isn't World Wrestling Entertainment. We don't have 50 cameras or the budget. We're trying to polish a turd. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, right. However, OVW has been running for how long? Danny Davis is on to something because he runs two, town, two nights a week in Louisville, which is more recessed in the Chicago area which is always within the top three of World Wrestling Entertainment's market. So the fans are here. You know, we're running out of Villa Park now. We're running in a small building. There's only so much that we can teach these guys in the ring, you know, without a crowd. we got to run events to teach them the rest, and that's when the fans come into play. Sure, and it's cool sure. because I want to invite them out there because I think they want to see these underdogs, and, and they'll be able to tell by how hard a person's working and, and this, that, and the other, if they're ready and to be presented to WWE. It's cool, too, because, uh, you know, the fans that come out, they, you know, it's like they're getting a chance to see, like, uh, potentially the future. They're seeing so, the future, exactly. I mean, that's awesome. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's just, like, same thing, like, with, uh, like, minor league baseball, like, local baseball. And yeah. you're seeing, like, all of a sudden you see guys for a year or so, yeah. and then they're in, the, they're in the majors, like, you know. Exactly. Like, that's awesome. And that's the, that's the biggest thing, it's, you know. To my knowledge, we're the only organization or training facility <laughs> that has been able to get four guys actual tryouts since September of 2012. September 29th, we sent Justice Jones down. Then uh, after that, we sent uh, Alpha Samoa down. At the same time we sent Alpha Samoa down, we sent down Sam Ray Del Sol. Sure. And now, Another phenomenal athlete. That something guy's amazing else. in the ring. Something else. No, he's got a great work ethic. I'm a little ticked off at uh, his reciprocation for the big thing that I did do for him, though. I'll, I'll let that be known because I ain't going to pony punch. I got nothing to lose at this point. Now, we're focusing on Milad Akbar, who's going for a WWE tryout. And I'm not kidding you. I can't tell you how many phone calls I got from every freaking company from here to Milwaukee telling me, Are you sure he's too short? Are you sure he's too this? Yeah. I'm sure because WWE is interested in his look, his ethnicity, 
the fact that he has no bad habits, and he's 19 years old with that kind of muscle development. Can you imagine how hard you've got to work to look that good at 19? And again, um, you know, another uh, always professional. Always. always the nicest guy. We'll do anything you, know? you ask. Yeah. You know? Good attitude. Like, and work, work, workhorse, uh, you know? A lot of guys that I've noticed that, uh, that you've gotten seen by WWE, they all have, like, great attitudes. It's amazing. That, that's the biggest thing is I like to, you know, you talk about positivity and all that stuff. I'm a guy that had a lot and lost it all. I've lost everything. I don't have shit. You know what I mean? So I love being around these guys that have that kind of attitude because it gives me a charge and keeps me going. And that's what I really like is like, uh, you know, like, because I train with you. Like, your yeah. whole training is like day one is, you know, look, dude, get past the ego. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Leave your ego at the door, basically. Yeah. So. To get anywhere in this business, you've got to be a prince. you got to be a locker room prince. And a doors lot of... open, man. Exactly. Even like, uh, you know, even if it's not WWE, but, you know, doors open, like, uh, for me professionally. Yeah. Just, uh, just because I, I uh, you know, feed off of that positivity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, people, you know, people don't, uh, sometimes they think, oh, it's just, uh, you know, pro wrestling. I'm this yeah. big jacked up guy. But you yeah. know what? Pro wrestling also leads to other things down the road. Big just, time. Just by association. Big know? time. I mean, what does it teach you in real life with business, yeah. with relationships, you know? The politics in this crap are so trying, you know what I mean? But you, sure. you learn how to deal with people. You learn the art of communication and that positivity, like you said, in anything you apply it to, you know, the rest of your life, you know? Yeah. The other thing, too, I mean, you were around when Casey James came on his first day just oh, about. Oh, another great guy, too. Great guy to have. He had to run, too, for a little bit, right? He, had, he was on the WWE payroll for seven years, and he was the first <laughs> and only guy that got let go and then got six months of unemployment from WWE. He's Amazing. Even, I even saw his name mentioned in the uh, one of the WWE history books. Isn't that he's, something? He's got a little short blurb in there. I yeah. thought that was awesome. It was the funniest yeah. thing with him because, you know, we got him to Puerto Rico where he spent a year and a half wrestling four nights a week before he went to WWE, you know. And uh, the, it was just the funniest thing because he would complain about this, that, and the other and be confused. And the WWE politics are way worse than the politics, you know, at this level. But you prepare him as much as you can for it. But the biggest thing is you just kept saying, hey, man, I'm just grateful every day I could wake up and say I make a living pro wrestling, which I love. And you're, <laughs> you know? you're also, uh, you know, guys aren't just uh, working here, but you're getting them experience on other shows, too, locally. Yeah, quality, quality shows. shows. Yeah. You know, these guys, everybody today thinks that they could go out and, and work, and the object is working and working and working. It ain't that. It's who you work for. Right. You know, it's who you work for. You know inside what you're doing or who you're working for. You ain't learning anything. And if it's about your ego, don't bother me, and you're not going to get over. you got no future in this. Sure, sure. Now, what do you guys, uh, when's your next uh, PPW event coming up? July 13th, and the things I'm really looking forward to, I mean, of course, everybody. I'm, I'm looking forward to restarting this company, but what I'm really looking forward to that night with the matches are the big tag match. I think that Stretcher and Seaman... I can't say enough of those two guys. They're the best kept secret in pro wrestling. I'm glad to see that those two guys have aligned. And I think it's going to be something else because that D Banks has a future in this. His bodyguard and who knows, maybe even Will Dollar will get involved in that. You know, these are the guys that have been knocking around this area for a while that have been held back purposely, intentionally, that have an it factor that the people that are holding them back don't have. Sure. And, of course, dude, Mojo McQueen, unbelievable talent. 
unbelievable talent. Scary dude, too, yeah. huh? Like, legit scary. He beat the crap out of me in four minutes, and I was oh. scared shitless, you know? <laughs> I've worked him, too. I know you have. He I know spit, you like, have. green stuff in my face. He, oh, it, it, I'm still trying to wash it out of my singlet. <laughs> once that light comes on and that music hits and the lights hit him, unbelievable something happens in that guy there's a switch that changes you can't talk no sense to him you can't work with him you can't do anything but damn it you know he's he, he's oh. dominating he's dominating this company right now I mean, think about that man dude there's so much talent here on the ppw roster unbelievable like, this is awesome eddie and boyd are amazing i don't know why anybody would want to come check this out this is like uh it's just like a locker room full of just really awesome dudes i think it's gonna come and that's that's the thing is the it, once we get the people to open their eyes, it's going to be simple because all I'm really doing here, all we're doing here is exploiting what these fucking, can I say that oh, on yeah. your podcast? Oh, we, we what, these fucking, <laughs> <laughs> what these fucking guys are is hard-working, real-life motherfucking Rocky Balboas. If they're black, white, brown, olive, light-skinned, you know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. And once the people see that, they're going to connect to it. It's 2013. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. What, uh, now, where can people find out more info? Uh, on Facebook, Twitter? At Facebook. Go to our Facebook page. Okay. we got a website, but again, we're working on a shoestring budget. Okay. Uh, and Facebook, uh, Facebook is, just... is Premier... Facebook Premier Pro Wrestling, right? Right, right. Cool, cool. Yeah. And I saw you guys got a shit ton of likes, man, right? it's uh, That's been phenomenal. And I know that social media is what's going to connect us to uh, to the fans today. I know this because of the success that we made up until February when we ran that last event. You know, keep going on there. You can go from the beginning of, you know, the upstart of this company and you can follow the story. And, and you know, it's constantly updated we're open for your suggestions, communication. Don't be afraid to post your opinion. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and you'll see most of the opinions that we get are freaking positive. That's awesome. And you even, like, not only uh, do you post, like, new stuff and new events, but you're posting, like, uh, you know, your stories and your history with wrestling. Things like, oh, I feel awful. We forgot to mention uh, we had to do a 10-bell salute tonight for Jackie Fargo and for Matt Bourne, which we are going to do on the 13th. Doing the clown. Doink we, the clown. We talked about him, and I, I was telling people uh, last week about um, on the podcast. I was telling them how heel doink was probably my favorite doink of all of them. Oh, it's amazing. Even me, you know, at the time, I, I worked for Jerry the King Lawler, who, who was hard to work with down in USW, and he owned twenty percent of that company. It was the most enjoyable shit for me to watch Jerry the King Lawler and those midgets wrestle doink and those dinks. <laughs> right, right. I you remember know? that bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just as a fan at that point, I remember watching And, and Matt was a tremendous guy. Matt and I were, and Percy Pringle, who also died the last couple, three months. This is honest to God's shoot. World Class Championship Wrestling, which was running quarterly shows, one of the first companies to draw 50000 paid with 12 to 14 guys on the roster, right? I'm sitting there in the sportatorium wrestling at the very end where it was twice a week in that territory and then ended up being once a week and we were lucky to draw four or five hundred dollars i mean four or five hundred people we were all making 75 dollars a night percy myself and matt Bourne, you know and matt Bourne and percival pringle were so accommodating to me because they actually thought that at the time i was good looking and knew i was selling some tickets you know, sure. and, and those guys did nothing but encourage me and teach me. And sometimes that's what it takes after you get to a certain point is to be encouraged. And, you know, Matt Bourne is one of the legitimate toughest guys of my generation, legitimately. And that's what made that Doink character work, you sure, know. Sure. So 
it, if you weren't on his good side, he really didn't have any use for you. You know what I mean? I don't know what I did that that that, but I'm very fortunate that you know after those events we would sit down and talk about my match. It was me, Percy Pringle, Matt Bourne, and Percy would pull out a. Uh, a, a bottle of whiskey and they would do a couple of shots while I had uh, you know Coca-Cola or ginger ale and dude, critique dude. me you know and, and, and it was priceless oh, wow. priceless awesome. you know so then me and Matt hooked up again and worked for uh, the Bally Midway WWE arcade game I think it was Wrestlemania sure sure okay. I remember that game I played that stuff yeah Matt was the first one to come in Bally hired me WWE hired me to come in and work for Bally's to go through all the motions because we put the game together like NBA Jam, which is really groundbreaking at the time. Then uh, Matt was the first one I worked with. As I was sitting there, Matt opened up his first pay-per-view check as Doink for $7,000. And whenever that game came out, was it even like 1990 (laughs) or 1991? I mean, it was just a pay-per-view check. And Matt was so messed up that he couldn't continue to do the... uh, what was expected of us because it was a 12-hour day. It was long, hard, stupid-ass, boring fucking day. Sure. And Matt was fucked up, you know. <laughs> he came to Chicago, and when you come to this area and you hook up with certain people, it's hard to say no at that point, you know. And Matt was sitting there with his head in his hands. Jack Lanza was aging at the time who couldn't do anything about it, and Jack Lanza is also a great agent. I'm not dissing him, but he had that history with Matt. So I put my arms around him, and I said, Motherfucker, get up. Because it was just two years ago that you and I were making the same fucking $75 in the sportatorium. You just opened up a check for $7,000. Motherfucker perked right up and we finished the day. (laughs) You know, that's a shoot. Well, that's awesome, man. Uh, oh, man, thanks so much for having me here Thank tonight. you, man. Thanks I for all the help that you try to give us with Janesville and, and, and with yourself personally. You know? Oh, sure, the man. The social media presence is 2013. I think WWE, of course, dominates it, but they're not even taking the, the steps that companies, other entertainment companies like UFC and whatnot are, are doing, and that's why I think the key in the future of this is. Nice. Yeah, man. We'll definitely, uh, thanks uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'll definitely be back. We'll definitely, Thank you for uh, coming again, Andy. We'll definitely keep saying good things about PPW, so thanks, Thank man. You. Thank you. And just like that, that is episode 36. Thanks for listening. Uh, now that we got the new uh, mobile recording device, I think we'll be doing a little bit more of this. We will be at the uh, Janesville Armor again, July 26th, for comedian Matt Holt. Uh, they do have comedy every Friday night, so even if we're not there, go check it out. Special thanks to the Armory for letting us do that. I know we didn't ask this last time, we just kind of snuck in there, but thank you. Uh, go ahead and check out our Facebook page, Open Mic Podcast. Check out our website, theopenmicpodcast.com. Check out JanesvilleIrishFest.com, where we'll be doing a lot of this mobile recording. Uh, JWAToday.com, WrestlingAndy.com, Chrisshaw.com. Oh, so much to remember. I can't think of it all. But uh, we'll be back next week, episode 37. Thanks for listening. Uh, I am Chad Sheridan, and for Andy Anderson, this has been the Open Mic. Slash a mic. I listen to all you prize fighters who don't want to meet defeat. Listen all you prize fighters who don't want to meet defeat. Take a tip from me, the of Joe Lewis's beat. Now he's won all his fights, 23 or 4. 
and left one of his opponents lying on the floor. They all tried to win, but the task was too hard. When he laid that hound bone up against that board, listen all you prize fighters, don't play him too cheap. If he lands with either hand, he'll sure put you to sleep. I bet on him. He knows just what to do. I'm talking to you. Now he packs that mite in his left. He carries a plunging right. Either one will make you groggy or as high as a kite. He charges on his opponent from the beginning of the gong. He batters them into submission. Then they all sing a song. I bet on the brown bumper, for he knows his stuff. And lays it on his opponent until he get enough. Now he's a natural born fighter who likes to fight them all. The bigger they come, he says, the harder they fall. That terrific left. Boys is all he needs, but that six ain't right. Come with lightning speed. Listen, all you prize fighters, don't play him too cheap. Take a tip from me, the off Joe Lewis is beat. 